Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. We'll be continuing our message series on, on money. We're asking God to renovate every single area of our life. Today, I want to talk to you about money, worship, and wisdom. Say that with me, money, worship, and wisdom. And I want you to understand that how we handle our money is certainly worship. And there are things in the scriptures that is, is not a test of your salvation. Um, there, there's a lot of instruction in the Bible that's wisdom. It, it's, there, are, there are a lot of things that you'll find in the Bible where, that is not a command. But the Lord tells us if we will do these particular things, it will be blessed as well, okay? So there's a, a difference between instruction and, wis- and wisdom. Uh, some wisdom um, is given in the form of instruction, and then some wisdom you find is like a work, uh, a lifetime of work. And, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of messed up that, you know, when you're young, you don't, have, don't, you don't know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> and then as you get older, you accumulate wisdom and you learn how to do things. Then you don't have the energy to do the things that you learned. Have you noticed that? And so our walk with Christ, there is a salvific issue where we are saved and then our life is spent trying to get the wisdom of God's word into our hearts and into our lives. And so I, I hope that that happens for you today and that we can understand the difference Um, here between the things that we're required to do in worship and then the things that come along that help us be more effective in our life with Christ. And I just want to say today right off the bat that I am just thankful for a God that gives us full access to the kingdom of God while we're still in process on some other things. And so uh, to anybody that has loved Jesus, how many people in the house love Jesus today? Right, you love Jesus, you thank God for that, but you're also in process that God is shaping you and you want to continue to grow. If that's also you, you want to continue to grow, go ahead and raise your hand there too. That should be encouragement to us because all of us are in journey and God is at work in each one of us. Um, money is on our mind all the time. For me personally, I grew up in a pastor's home. My, my father and mother were sacrificial in the way that they lived. Uh, my dad was very focused on his mission. Uh, there were times where I, as a, a young adult, watched the sacrifice that my father was making as I was beginning to understand how life worked. So there was a time where we were poor. I didn't know that we were poor. But then as I matured, I realized the sacrifices that my father was making for ministry. And especially because of some unusual circumstances that were added to it. And my dad said, no, I'm called to this situation. And it doesn't matter what the other opportunities are. It doesn't matter what the other options are. God has called me to this place. And so watching my father um, express a commitment that was greater than material things was a blessing for my life. If I've learned anything from watching my father and my mother, godly people, there's anything I learned, I learned that money isn't everything. 
Say that with me. Money isn't everything. Now, the same father that taught me that, he also said, faith is one thing, but a roll of $20 bills is something else. <laughs> what, what he was saying is, you know, hey, listen, I'm, I appreciate people's prayers. I, I, I appreciate people's talk, but I really appreciate it when people put their money where their mouth is in life and ministry. It's one thing for someone to be in need and you say, hey, God bless you. The Lord be with you. It's another thing when someone says, hey, uh, you see someone in need and you say, here, let me help you. Let me help you. And the body of Christ in 2023 gets a bad rap by a lot of people. There are a lot of people that say all kinds of negative things about the church. But let me tell you, there is no organization on earth that has done more for the world than the church. It, orphanages, schools, hospitals, care, innovation, the arts. I mean, where do you think the arts came from? Michelangelo and da Vinci. And, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it was the church that preserved the arts. I mean, you could go down long lists. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But uh, what, what, I, what I do want to say today is I am thankful for the church and for the work that we do and for the work that we've been called in to do. But I also want to challenge you because there are many people in the church that, are not in the, that want to give, they want to be generous, but are not in the position to do physically and financially what they want to do in their heart because of things and lifestyles and decisions that have buried them in debt and in all kinds of challenges. Now, you do understand life is going to happen no matter how you manage your stuff or not. Uh, has anybody had to call a tow truck recently? I have. In the last 24 hours, well, let's just be honest, in the last 12 hours, no, maybe even less than that. Life just has a way of happening. And, you know, it may be that you got some hospital bills that you just have to deal with. You, there's all kinds of things. But let's tell the truth. Is there anybody today that has been, okay, is there anybody that at some point in their life has had to deal with bills and debts that were the, the product of some really bad decisions in your life? Just go ahead and raise that hand too. It's just, you know, think about it. When you go to college, I, I tell my kids, listen, when you're going to step on that college campus, there's going to be a table and it's going to say Visa and MasterCard and American Express and Discover and all of these kinds of things. They're like, just fill out an application and we'll give you this beach towel. That will be the most expensive beach towel you ever buy in your life. You'll be paying on that thing forever. And so, listen, I just want to bring that. That's one reason we talk about money. First, here, here's another thing is that God's domain is everything. And God is not only interested in our song, he's not only interested in our prayer, he's interested in every single area of our life. And we have a father that loves us and he doesn't want to see us thriving in one area and suffering in another area. In fact, God wants us to prosper in our soul, in our body, in our finances as well. And so we're going to talk about that. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money. And there's more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing in the Bible, money and possessions in the Bible, 
And that's twice as many verses as uh, both faith and prayer combined. So it's important to God. It's important to me. If it wasn't important to God, it's still important to me because it's such a big part of my life. Fortunately, thank God that he speaks about the things that are on our heart. And the reason he does is because many of the things that we deal with like that is a matter of our heart. And that's what God wants most. Let me tell you, God is not interested in your money. He's not interested in your height. He's not interested in your pedigree. He's interested in you. And he's interested in your heart today. So here's what I want us to do. As we talk about money today, I want us to separate into money into two categories. The categories are worship and wisdom. Okay, say that with me. Worship and wisdom. One more time, worship and wisdom. When it comes to worship, there are things that are required of us as it pertains to our money. We're gonna, I'm just going to talk about those really quickly. We're going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about stewardship in the worship category. And then I'm going to move into wisdom. Wisdom has a lot to do with kind of how you navigate things in life, how you steward your life. Um, of course, Malachi chapter 3 is... Uh, one of the great passages that's referenced whenever the offering is being received. In fact, um, Pastor Andrick, uh, Pastor Donald, Pastor Freddie, Pastor Adam, I hope that when you are receiving the offering, you are telling people uh, to go to Malachi chapter 3 because within Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The tithe, the word tithe is actually just a mathematical number uh, word the tithe means the tenth, one-tenth. It's a fraction. Tithe is a fraction, one-tenth. When I was younger, my church met in the movie theater. And when it met in the movie theater, we, we had a lot of people coming into the church. I've always reached people that didn't come from church backgrounds. Um, and, and so I had some people come into the movie theater. And um, when the offering came around, they put money in. And afterwards, I met them for the first time. It was their first Sunday. They said, Pastor, I didn't know how much to put in the offering. But I figured since we were in a movie theater, I put in $8.50 for each person in my family. I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. That's about what a movie ticket was at that point. I had another guy come to me and say, well, pastor, you were talking about ties. I don't even own any ties. I don't wear ties. No, it's a, it's a tithe. It's a tithe. It's a tenth. That's all it is. Here's what the Bible says in, in Malachi chapter three and uh, verse eight. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes or the tenth and offerings due to me. Um, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into this storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. I'm going to pause there just for a second. And let me just tell you, you don't hear us giving a lot of extra appeals for offering. We, old school pathway church, Pastor Mac. He would receive the offering. And then if at the end of the service, the offering wasn't enough to meet the need of the church, they'd do another round of the offering. Now, I like that idea. Pastor Mac, he was the boss man. He was a lion of Pathway Church. I thought that was pretty good. You know what? We don't do a lot of extra offerings because I believe if God's people will be faithful in the tithe, we won't have to go around begging for everything to get handled. Is that, is that a good word? Is that true? And, and so 
Boy, let me tell you right now, if the whole church tithe, there is no end to what we'd be able to do. So I want to challenge you there and say that this is something that God has called us to do. So that's, we're focused on obedience there. Now listen to what happens. According to the Lord, if you believe, how many of you believe God's word is true? You know, during the Asbury revival, they would read the Bible and then they would say this at the end of every chapel service is what they say. They say, this is God's word. And then the people say, and I believe it. This is God's word. And I believe it. If you believe God's word is true, then scripture tells us that if we do bring all the tithes into the storehouse, there'll be enough food in my temple for the people to eat, for the people to be cared for, for our kids to be ministered to, for, for the widow and the orphan, um, for the church to preach and have small groups and all the things that we do, uh, to do missions. He said, now, if you do this, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. It's the first time that God says to test him. And so we can test him. We say, if God, if I do this and you will respond in this way. Some people say, well, pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. According to Malachi 3, and my, my, my experience is that I can't afford not to tithe, right? I can't afford not to tithe. Now I'll tell you, tithing is a massive life decision. And it feels crazy when you say, God, I'm gonna bring you the first 10% of my income. I'm gonna close my eyes on my bills. I'm gonna close my eyes on my wants. And God, I'm gonna give you what is already, what is already yours. And then he goes on after he says, put me to the test. He says, your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. He's saying, not only will I bless you with more, but I will help you to keep what I've already given you. He's saying, look, I'll sew up the holes in your pockets, right? Um, now I still had to pay that tow truck bill or at least the AAA that I had to pay for AAA, you're still gonna face things, but God's saying, listen, I'm gonna protect you. He says, your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now I hear this all the time about Pathway Church. Pathway Church is such a generous church. I hear that all the time around town. I see it on Facebook. I see you serving and caring for people. And let me tell you, as we bless people, God will bless us. Here's what I believe. If God can get it through you, God will get it to you, right? If you will be a conduit for God's blessings to flow through, he'll say, now that's a man I can trust. That's a woman that I can trust. The Bible also says that the Lord refreshes those who refresh others. Here's what I also believe. I believe that we're never more like God than when we give. Think about this. For God so loved the world that he that he gave. And so if you love the world, then you will also give. So I'm gonna be generous with my time. I'm gonna be generous with my giftings, my talents. I'm gonna be generous with my, with my treasures. Why do you do that? Because I am made in the image of God. And what I do looks like what God does. So when you see Jesus, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. Well, hey, listen, I'm not a begotten son of the father. I'm an adopted son of the father. But you know what? I may not have the 
you know, all, all, all the exact things, but you know what? I sure do want to be a reflection of Jesus. I want to be a reflection of the Father. Is that how you want to live your life? Come on, if that's how you want to live your life, let's go ahead and just honor the Lord. You know, that's a thing that we have to work at. So uh, the tithe. The tithe is a part of our worship as much as anything else that, that, that we do. Um, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 describes this. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. In, in other places, when the Bible's talking about your tenth, it talks about of everything that you produce. Now imagine this, if your tenth is holy and set apart as unto the Lord, what happens if you set it apart and then you don't give it back to the Lord? That's, this is one reason why I ask all of our pastors and anyone receiving the offer never to say it's time for us to pay our tithes because you don't pay somebody something that they already own. So what we say is we bring the tithe to the Lord because the tithe belongs to the Lord, right? So now I hear some people say, well, Jesus didn't tell us to tithe. Well, that's actually not true. Um, and this is also the same argument that's used in a number of other issues that just because Jesus didn't refer to something means you don't have to do it. And, you know, well, Jesus never addressed this issue. He never addressed this moral issue. Well, actually, that's not true. Jesus spoke often about morality, immorality, sexual immorality. He talked about all kinds of things. Also, Jesus was a Jew and he was, he was fulfilling the Jew, the Jewish law, the instruction, the Ten Commandments. He was doing all of these things, and he he didn't. He said he didn't come. He didn't come to overthrow that. He came to fulfill that. And so we can't follow Jesus and then disrespect his his law. So, but Jesus didn't tell us to tithe. Actually, in Matthew chapter twenty three twenty three, he was challenging the Pharisees, and they were asking about this. Here's what he says: What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites is what he called them. For you are careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, Jesus said, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In fact, think, think of this. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have aught against your brother, leave your offering there and go make it right with your brother and then come back and give. So he, he never said stop giving and start loving people. Actually, giving is loving. But make sure that you aren't busy fulfilling the letter of the law while neglecting the heart of the matter. Because the truth is, we can do everything that the Bible says we're supposed to do and not give God our heart, not give people our heart, and we will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is why the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart and then to love our neighbor as ourself, that is actually the Ten Commandments. If you do that, you won't violate the Ten Commandments. Think about that. This is the beautiful thing about New Testament Christianity is the focus on loving God and loving people. Now we're in a sea, in an era right now where uh, loving it is actually um, interpreted and practiced as loving the creation. That we, if we love, we just let people do whatever they want to do. We we accept just anything. No, actually, we have to love God first, and then we love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. So this this is what we've. 
This is what we've been called to do. Jesus, he didn't, he didn't cancel the tithe. He said, when you tithe, make sure you love the Lord and you love your neighbor. So tithing is a part of our worship. Secondly, giving is a part of our worship. Giving is different than tithe. Giving, you know, we're to bring the first tenth, but then listen to what the Bible says about our giving. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. As you do, uh, this is where I would say you give your offerings or you pay your offerings. You don't bring. Your offerings come from money that is yours. That's yours. It's over and above the tithe. You can't give an offering as a part of your tithe. That's a your offering is over and above the tithe. But as you are asking God, Lord, should I give to this need? Should I give to the Legacy People campaign that's building the new buildings on the Pathway Church campuses, doing the things, expanding? Should I give to that? Listen to the instruction that Paul gives us to the Corinthian church, chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. So he's saying, listen, the size of your giving will determine the size of your harvest, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop, obviously. If you plant a little bit of corn, you'll get a little bit of harvest of corn. If you plant a lot of corn, you'll get a lot more. So, you know, generosity matters. But then verse seven, he says, you must, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. And actually this Greek word actually means hilarious, a hilarious giver. Have you ever asked somebody, hey, would you, would you mind help, help me move? Or could you help me with this project I'm working on? And they say, well, man, I'm really busy. I don't have time, but I guess I, guess I will. What do you want to say? I don't want your help. That's what you want to say. Then you feel like you owe somebody something. Actually, you're annoyed with them and all, all that. But when someone comes along and they're like, hey, I, is there anything I can help you with? It's a totally different vibe. That, that, yeah, man, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I'm in a jam. Hey, what do you need? I'll drop everything right now. I'll come give you a hand. That kind of giving is a blessing for the receiver as well. It's not a debt laid against you. So this is what the Lord's saying. Now he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. This is a decision for you to make. God, Holy Spirit, would you lead me and help me in knowing what it is that I'm to do? There's some things that my heart is mobilized toward. My heart is mobilized towards helping children, you know, to sharing the gospel with children. Have you faced any terrible things in your life because Jesus wasn't Lord of your life? Have you, have you sown any wild oat, any wild oats that now you're paying the price for? One reason I love to minister to kids is because if, if you can get the kids before they have problems, it just, it just, it just saves so much heartache. And look, look at all the wonderful things that can happen when a child comes to know the Lord. That's one reason I love the church because and I love feeding programs. I love funding our children's homes. But you know what? If somebody gets hold of the gospel, there's a, lot, there's a lot of groceries you don't need to give. There's a lot of interventions you don't need to give. It's better to cut a problem off before it happens. You know, it's a lot easier to deal with alcoholism by never taking the first drink than it is by, to ask God to deliver you from alcoholism that has just ravaged your life, right? How many of you know God is able? God is able to deliver. 
God is able to free, right? He is able to deliver and free. Maybe some of the greatest deliverance stories happen because somebody didn't go down that wormhole to start with, amen? So to me, the church that raises kids up, knowing the word of God and, and being loved by people of God, being shown how to worship is one of the greatest gifts that you can give uh, to, a, to a person is that they would come to know Jesus early. So giving is worship. Also stewardship is worship. How you steward everything that you have. Do you have great talents? I'll never forget my junior high school teacher, one of the most praying women I've ever met in my life, Arlene Rance. She would always tell me, she would say, Travis, to whom much is given, much is required. She was saying, you've been given a lot. You've been trusted with a lot. God expects a lot out of you. She was placing some expectation on my life. She was giving me vision for my life. Well, what a wonderful thing it was when a couple decades later, I was her pastor. Imagine that. And every time I'd preach, I'd look down there on that second row. There's Arlene Rance, and she's watching me. She put me in detention more than anybody in my life. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you glad for our teachers? Aren't you thankful for our teachers? And Arlene, and, you know, I ended up going to college with her oldest daughter, Deidre, and we're, we're very, very close friends. And, and just watching that investment in me was, I mean, it was just really wonderful. But what she was saying is, hey, listen, if God has given you much, Travis, then God wants to do a lot in your life. Don't hide your giftings. Don't bury them in the ground. I want you to do something with that. You know, I think, hey, we're in a wonderful church. We live in a free country, a prosperous country. You know, I think that we've been given a lot. Don't you think you've been given a lot? You do realize... We, we can talk about the top 1%. Let's just really stick it to the top 1%. Hey, but wait a second. Do you realize that we are part of the top 1%? Just put that in your pipe and smoke it. Think about it. Well, don't do that. But, you know, what, I, what I'm saying, you know, uh, we better be smoking what we're selling. No, no, no. We shouldn't be doing that either. But you know what, I, you know what I'm saying here, right? We, 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 we've been blessed. We are blessed, unbelievably blessed. We're not victims. We're victorious. Let me, let me see, is this thing on? You hear what I just said there? We are not undergoers, we're overcomers, right? Right, we are not conquered, we are, we are not conquered. We are more than conquerors, right? So listen, if that's the case, if that's the case, the world is depending on us. Our family is depending on us. Our city is depending on us. Our schools are depending on us. Your school is depending on you. God has placed us in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our situations, so that we can be a blessing to them. Let's not sit on the blessing that God has given us. So stewardship is, is worship. And we know this from the parable of the talents. You know the five, two, and the one? And the five doubled and the, and the two doubled and the one buried the gift. And he said, but Lord, I know that you are a tough taskmaster. And the, Lord, you know, the master uh, uh, of the estate, he was like, of course I am. This is my money. I gave you money. I gave you a job and you buried your job. You didn't produce. So I'm taking what you have and I'm giving it to someone that's going to do something with what I have. I don't know how you feel. I, I don't feel like I'm really like a five-talent person. I feel like I'm a two-talent, good, solid two-talent person. And I believe that I want to do something. I want to outperform. 
I want to outperform a five-talent person. That's what I want to do. I want to be faithful. What I, what I, but I certainly don't want to. We're five-talent people in America. Let's not bury what it is that we have. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen so I can move on to my next point. So how we manage everything is worship. Our time, our relationships. So when we're talking stewardship, we're talking about how we deal with the things that God has put in our sphere of influence and our, our possessions. If you ever just want a really great book to take you deeper in all the things that God has to say about money, then I would just really highly recommend Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn. I, I give a lot of people, you know, if you give, for the first time you give at Pathway Church, I send you a book. It's called The Treasure Principle. That's by Randy Alcorn. That's a little short read. Money, Possessions, and Eternity, that's a, that's a thick read, but man, it's full of wisdom there. So this is worship. We need to steward what we have, we need to give what we have, and we need to tithe what is the Lord's. Now, let me jump in here to wisdom. Wisdom is, is more about effectiveness, how you deal in life. And your lack of wisdom is not a statement about your security in Christ Jesus, okay? But this is about your effectiveness in life. And let me tell you, every good father wants his children to be effective. Is that true? A good father is not insecure when his son or daughter does better than him. A good mother doesn't feel threatened by a son or daughter that succeeds, right? But actually they're saying, well, that's my boy. That, that's, my, that's my girl. This is God's wisdom letter. This, his, his letter to his creation saying, this is how you can succeed in life. If you do these things and have joy and have peace, and let me say, success means one thing to the world. It means something else in the kingdom of God. Okay. So let me just start off by saying this. It is not a, a sin. It's not a sin for you to have money success or money hardships. Like if you go through some kind of financial challenge, it's not God saying, I disapprove of you. Job was a good man. And Job experienced financial hardship. In fact, the reason that Job was challenged because, was because he was a righteous man. And the enemy said, if I can take down Job, I can take down anybody, right? So again, have you faced some financial difficulties? If that's you, just raise your hand. If you have faced financial difficulties where you thought, how in the world am I going to string this thing together? Let me tell you, that may be a result of sin, but it is not necessarily a result of sin. I've had things happen to me because of somebody else's sin. I've had things that happen to me because of someone else's stupidity. I just happen to be in the splatter zone of the whole thing. I'm minding my own business. And so I just want you to know that. I don't want you walking around in guilt because your life hasn't panned out how you hoped it would pan out. I mean, you know, when you're a 15-year-old boy, when you're a 14-year-old boy, when you're a 16-year-old boy, no, when you're an 8-year-old boy, you look at every car, and here's what the kids do in the back of the car. Every, every set of boys I've ever seen, cars drive by, and the boy's like, I call that one, that's mine, right? All the boys know what all the cars are. And then you get reality in life, right? So anyway, you know, Wisdom will help us kind of sort that stuff out. So now biblical principles 
will help you succeed and will minimize the financial hardships that you face. And let me tell you, this book is the greatest money book that has ever been created. It, it, it's all right here. Now, let, me, let me give you some, some bullet points on money wisdom, okay? That just extrapolations from the scripture and, and some I'll illustrate, but I'm not going to spend too much time on this. But I want you to have this. Really what I'd like for you to do is I'd like to unlock a hunger in your life where you'd seek this out yourself. First of all, here's some wisdom for you. God owns everything. God owns everything. This is one of the reasons why we go to him because he can do something about it. Lord, how am I going to pay this situation? How am I going to meet this person? How am I going to get out of this difficulty? Lord, I'm hungry. I need a burger. The Lord's saying, listen, I got your burger. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, right? I got, I got whatever it is that you need. In fact, I have prepared a mansion for you. I have, in, in my mansion, there are many rooms. I have, I have a something for you, not only in eternity, but also uh, right now. So God owns everything. Also, money is not evil. Money is a tool. A car is not evil. A car is a tool. But pastor, I thought that money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil, but it's just a tool. Put money in the hands of a righteous man and you'll see blessings happen. Put money in the hands of a wicked man and you'll see wicked things happen. It's just money doesn't have an opinion. It's just, it's just there. Well, pastor, I, I hate money. Okay, give it to me. I'll take your money. Right? Okay. Here's something else you see in the scriptures. Just like you give to God, you should give to yourself. You should pay yourself. A lot of us, we work so we can pay the bills that we've incurred so that we can work. It's a real challenging, crazy cycle. Well, man, my friend got this car. I need to get that car. I need to keep it. You don't have to have anything. There's nothing that says that you have to have a particular kind of house, a particular kind of car. You can spend all your life working and hustling just to please people that don't care anything about you. So let, let me give you a formula, okay, that you can live your life, but like a basic formula that will help you. 10, 10, 80. 10% to God, pay 10% yourself to yourself, and then live off the other 80%. That's a good starting place to be. And so rather than saying, how much house can I afford? With, you're walking up, you're getting a house or a car. What can I get with this much? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Start out with a vision for your life and make all of that stuff support your life then making you support all those things. You do not exist to pay car payments and house payments and bills and all of that. That's not what you exist for. You exist to glorify God and have joy and peace in him. Amen. So we, we, now I have no problem with you. You pay him for things. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't. No, you, you know me. That's not what I'm about. You know that, right? But we're more than money producers to pay an average of 12 to 14 billers a month, you know? There are a lot of things that we think we have to have. Daddy, I need this. You don't need that. You need that about as much as you need a hole in the head, you know? No, but I got to have it. You know, you really don't have to have it. There's a lot of things that we can do without 
In fact, would you believe me if I told you some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life live in Cambodia and live on less than $1 a day? Let me tell you something about money. You think money will make you happy. It'll make you more comfortable in some things, but money does not make people happy. How much money is enough in people's minds? Just a little bit more. It's a crazy, it's it's like a rat race. Listen, produce. God has given you the ability to produce, but let me tell you, it's not money that brings you happiness and joy. It's Jesus that does that. He does that for, for your life. 10, 10, 80. First yep. Timothy chapter six, verse six says it like this. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Say that with me. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what? When you're right with Jesus, it's a whole lot easier to lay down and go to sleep. When you have fewer things to be circulating through your mind to try and figure out and trying to apologize for and scheme, and you got to remember all of these different mental contraptions to keep everybody happy with you. Listen, when you are right with God and man, it's so much easier to lay down and sleep at night and be content. The greatest wealth that you can have is to be in right relationship with your creator and with your family and your friends, with your Lord. Here's some more. We ought to kill greed in our heart. Greed isn't getting more. Greed is having an appetite for more that can just never be satisfied. I want that. I want what you got. No, I I don't. God, give me as much as you can so that I can glorify you, but don't ever give me so much that I forget about you. I want you to be prospered. But the story we see repeated over and over in the Bible is people to come to God and they're blessed. And then when they're blessed, they forget about God and they depart from God and then God corrects. And then they come back to God and God blesses them again. Here's what you need to do. You need to be grateful for God in all circumstances. When you're rich, when you're poor, when you're sick, when you're healthy, when you're young, when you're old, when you have lots of friends or when you have no friends. God, there are some things in my life that I want, but Lord, if I never get another thing, if I have you, I have all that I need. It's a wonderful place to be. And when we can kill off the greed in our heart, then we have more room to put our affections and our appetites on. And here's what the Bible says when we focus on what matters. When we seek first the kingdom of God, then God will add these things to us. It's a mistake to add these things to us. God, if you'll give me this and I'll serve you. But actually, that's not what happens. When you seek God because of what he can do for you, rather than acknowledging who he is, you will find out that as soon as you get what you came for, you will let go of the hand of God. Some of the greatest prayer meetings that, ever have, that have ever taken place have taken place in the middle of hurricanes and tornadoes and great disasters. God, if you just get me out of this. And then when God gets us out of it, we forgot that we even prayed that prayer. 
What a, what a situation. And then here's the last thing I would say is that we ought to be mindful of debt. Be mindful of debt. Let me tell you uh, something about debt really quick is that uh, debt is not sin, but we have been given instruction about debt. Listen to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. I'm going to bring this thing to a close here. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, that doesn't say you're going to go to hell if you have a credit card. The Bible doesn't say don't get a credit card. But it does say that if you have debt, then you are going to be a slave to that debt until you get it paid for. Here, listen. And for our young people today, get free of entanglements. Honor the Lord with your first fruits. Invest in your future. And then as God gives you the ability to create wealth, use that for the glory of God. I believe that in this house, there are businesses that are waiting to happen and the resources that come from those businesses are gonna build churches and they're gonna build orphanages and they're gonna do great things around the world. And I, I, I believe there are little widows, there, there, there are single moms. I, I believe there are little children that, that are gonna scrape together a little bit, just a little bit of what they have. And out of that, they're gonna bless God with some of that. God's going to have great joy in that. But what I would say is, if you can avoid getting in the challenges and you get a hold of this word as it deals with your finances, you could have a life that will be lighter and more fulfilling than if you go by God's way than by what you see on TV or what you see on TikTok. You know, what you see that your neighbors are doing. Listen, you don't have to go out and get the best of everything. You don't because the best of everything actually does not satisfy only for a time, but God satisfies all the way to your core and for eternity. Amen. Can somebody just bless the Lord for that today? I have a lot of other things I wanna say I'm gonna pass on some of those things, but I am gonna say this. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse four, and keep in mind that what I just told you is I want you to prosper. I want you to prosper the church. I want you to prosper missions. I want you to have money to help your brother or sister when they're in need. Listen, I don't want you to be the person that's always shaking people down for help, right? Because there is a way out of that. There's, there is a way out of that mindset, but Listen, if we are starving, homeless, poor, if we are lower middle class poor, where we're just doing everything that we can to keep our nose above the water, you know, gas prices, loaves of bread, eggs go up, and then it's rocking your world, right? And you just can't quite get enough. I want you to listen to this. If you're in the moment where you're most extended in your life, listen, I just want to tell you this. If you have everything that you need, I just want to tell you this. Proverbs chapter 11. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment. Say that with me. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment, 
but right living can save you from death. I want you to be blessed, Pathway Church. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be prospered. I want your financial person to prosper as your soul prospers. That was Paul that said that. I want all these things. But if you are broke, busted, and disgusted, I want you to still be holding on to the hand of God. Right? Some of the greatest, most wealthy brothers and sisters in Christ live in third world countries and don't have a single possession to their name. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? This is, this is what's up. Thank God for every person in this room. We're not here to demonize the poor or to demonize the rich. I am not made better by making somebody else less rich, right? I thank God when God raises people up in this church. I thank God. I thank God that we have employers and people that are able to do things that, you know, maybe not everybody can do. I thank God. But I thank God for the little widow woman that comes and brings a might to the Lord. Let me tell you, she's great in the kingdom of God. She's great in the kingdom of God. You know what makes us wealthy? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What is a prophet of man if he gains the whole world? Loses his soul. What is a prophet of man if Jesus gets his soul? He's gained everything in the world. In fact, the meek shall inherit the earth. You know what that means? That means I already own it all. I got it all. It's all mine. Why am I going to scrap and strive and fight and cheat my way into things that God has already given me dominion over? Pathway Church, you're blessed. Okay, you're blessed. That's all I want to say. That's all I want to say. You're blessed. You're already blessed. The Word of God will change your life. Worship Him in spirit and in truth and then grow in God's wisdom and let it impact every single area of your life. Man, you guys are young, you're young. Get this word, eat this word, put it in your heart, live it, live it, live it. See what God won't do, amen. Pastor, pray for me and my money. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now. Pray for me and my money, I want to. Um, Lord, pray for my, pastor, pray for my heart. I, I want more than money, I wanna make sure that the Lord has my heart. That's you today, amen. Father, we're coming to you saying thank you for speaking so much about money because you knew how much it dominates our life. Lord, I pray that you would touch us and minister to us today. Father, give us wisdom. Help us to be obedient. Help us to worship you, God. Help us to get. There are things we need to get. But in all of our getting, Lord, if we get anything, help us to get you. In fact, Lord, we don't want another thing if we don't have you. Lord, if you have to look at all the things that we have in our life and you have to take some baggage off, off of our hands, Lord, take whatever it is you want, but don't take your presence away from us, God. Don't take your hand off our life. Father, bless us, Lord, as we seek you today. Lord, we thank you. Father, for my friends today that don't know you, Father, I pray that you have baptized them with an incredible wealth of your presence today. Father, you would take away and cancel their debts, this debt called sin. Father, there would be a spiritual bankruptcy 
process that happens where every debt laid against them would be canceled to be remembered no more. And Father, you would replace it with the greatest riches that's found through your son, Jesus Christ today. Pray you do that. If there's anybody in the house at Pathway Church today, you say, Pastor, I want God to cancel my sin. I want to be saved today. I want to trust in him. I want to follow him. If that's you, just slip up your hand right where you are. I just want to pray for you right where you are. Just go ahead and slip up that hand. Amen. Father, do that for us today. Father, I thank you. Bless you. Father, for freedom in Jesus, that as we cast our cares on you, we ask forgiveness and you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, the greatest bankruptcy process that has ever taken place in all of humanity. Our debts are canceled. We don't have to wait seven years for things to get right. Things are right now in the moment where we place our trust in you. We love you and we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.